through 24, Psalms 118, verses 17 to 24. Um, also, you may be wondering about uh, lads to leaders. Uh, we are planning to meet uh, with those that are interested in lads to leaders today down in the fellowship room. Um, and if you can't meet today, you at least have to have your registration filled out and given to Jamie and Betta by next Sunday. Um, and it needs to be done by next Sunday. So if you're planning on going and can't stay for the meeting, that's fine. Just make sure you turn your registration in to them. Um, but we will be meeting right afterwards so we can kind of start getting prepared because we're just wondering ourselves if it's going to happen or not. So uh, Psalms chapter 118, verses 17 through 24. I shall not die, but live, and declare the works of the Lord. The Lord has chastened me severely, but he has not given me over to death. Open to me the gates of righteousness. I will go through them, and I will praise the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord, through which the, the righteous shall enter. I will praise you, for you have answered me, and have become my salvation. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Let's pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, we do want to thank you for this day. Thank you for this time that we can come and study and, and learn a little bit more about your word. Lord, we just ask that you be with Steve and as he has studied this week and uh, the words that he wants to get, get across and the words that come from your scripture are the ones that... Uh, uh, we truly need to focus on, uh, take to our hearts, and then take those out to the, out to the world. Lord, help us to be uh, servants of uh, those out in the world and servants of each other and, and a desire to, to want to uh, take, take your word out to them. We just thank you once again, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Morning. Uh-oh. Good morning. Testing. There we go. Hi. Thank you for the face shield today. It makes the whole world look like a salad bar. <laughs> I, I think these probably should be uh, mandatory at salad bars now that I know they exist. And that's just another example of uh, Steve's wonderful sense of humor. Um, yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, that made me think for, uh, years and years, I, I actually thought, well, I can't be a preacher. I am just far too silly of a person. I can't, uh, maintain that, you know? And the more I understand about God the Father, the more I understand that while we're called to be sober-minded, if you think sober and unhappy are the same thing, then you probably have a drinking problem. Because sober and joyful can and must be the same thing. You know, uh, he read uh, from Psalm 118 today, I can't tell you how... I can't tell you, because I didn't count, that would be weird actually if I'd counted all the times that people have sung the song, this is the day that the Lord has made, I will rejoice and be glad in it, 
This is the day that the Lord has made. And I've seen that countless times. I've done it countless times. And the thing of it is, if we understand God the Father, we understand, I don't think anyone has children so that they can go, you know why I want to have children? I want to have someone that I can, can correct and yell at. Because that's the fun part of parenting, isn't it? No, it's not the fun part of parenting. And, you know, especially if you have to do it on a Sunday morning. Dad, don't talk about me from the pulpit. That's part of the punishment for what you decided to do this morning. As I talk about you from the pulpit, you should know that by now. But that's not the fun part of having kids. That's not why we have kids, is it? We have kids because we want to love them. And we want to see them enjoying their lives. That's, that's the reason we have kids. And for some reason, it got put into my head, and I think into the heads of a lot of people, that life is a trial that we're meant to suffer through until we die and we get our reward. There's nothing in the Bible that supports that. Jesus was a man familiar with suffering, certainly. And the apostles were all familiar with suffering, but that is different from God going, you know what I need? I need more suffering. I need more glum faces. I need more people to be unhappy. That's the opposite of everything in the Bible. And the fact that I'm silly, playful, whatever it is I am, as long as we can be appropriate, we have to be appropriate. There's a time to rejoice and a time to weep. And we have to be appropriate. We can't be silly when there's something serious going on. When We need to be still and quiet and listen. But at the same time, isn't it just as inappropriate to be as blessed as I am and to walk around as though life is terrible? And too much of the time we do that. And the thing of it is, all these, these sermons I preach, you know, they're about teaching us and teaching me to be more like Jesus. And I think if you think Jesus walked around going, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You've watched too many bad movies. Because I don't, I mean, that would be, I, I don't see that as a magnetic personality necessarily. I think we're, I don't think we are commanded to have joy. We sing about joy. We sang about joy today. And we have people singing about joy going, yay, today the Lord has made. Anyway, what I want to talk today is about the twofold um, purpose of God in our lives. God is the Father. He's the perfect Father. And we are the children. So, just like as parents, we want our children to have abundant, joyous lives, don't we? There's also times where we must discipline them. That doesn't mean that we have that we have to spank them all the time. That's not what discipline means. Discipline means teaching you how to be the person that you're supposed to be. 
when I no longer have to control you, then I've done my job because you're controlling yourself. And that's the, that's the deal with God. Is, and I would submit that only through God's discipline, and sometimes the discipline is hard, only through God's discipline can we experience joy. And I've said this before, but those of you who've worked with kids a lot, you can tell the kids whose parents discipline them a lot. And I'm not saying because they walk around acting beat up all the time, that's abuse. That's not discipline, that's abuse. But I'm talking about the kids whose parents discipline them. Do they walk around glum all day? No. They walk around feeling confident, feeling safe, and having a good time when it's appropriate. And God's discipline for us is no different. And they, it all has the same focus so that we can have lives full of joy and so that we can become the people God created us to be. And those two things go hand in hand. Discipline and happiness. You notice I'm not saying joy because joy is something that we get through the Lord. I'm talking about happiness, which is those transient times where we can enjoy good things in life. Jesus was a man familiar with sorrows. He had a job to do, and we have jobs to do as well. But that, there's no evidence in the Bible that Jesus was always beat down. There's no evidence for that. And I'd say the evidence is quite the opposite. And we'll read some scriptures about that. What I'm saying is, we have lots of reasons to not just have joy, but God has given us happiness. And you may not have happiness right now. There may be things right now that are making it extremely difficult for you to be happy. Well, then we turn to joy because we have the joy of the Lord. But also, there is plenty of happiness in our lives. And I'll tell you what I really don't like as a parent. Let me, sit, let me just talk to Jesse and Jennifer directly during this part. No, I'm just kidding. What, what I don't like as a parent, and probably what you don't like as a parent, is when you do all this stuff to make your kid's birthday special, or we just had Christmas, you go to all this trouble to make Christmas special, and the kid goes, oh, socks, great. Oh, this is, this is a good video game. I really wanted the other one. You know? That's not, what, that's not a fun Christmas. You do all this stuff for your kids because you want them to have happiness. And God has given us a lot of things in our lives that we can and should be very happy about. I look at that bench right there, and that's enough things for me to be happy about by itself. Look around your world. Is there anything that, that causes you to be happy? God gave you those things, not so that you can walk around glum, but so that you can say, God, thank you for all the great things you put in my life. None of us are freezing today, I don't think. You keep it about 95 in here, so, no, I'm just kidding. All right, let's go ahead, I'll stop my blathering and we'll get to the scriptures. Let's turn to John chapter 10. And we'll talk about this discipline and happiness being the same thing. Not the same thing, being connected. John chapter 10, verses 7 through 10. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. 
And all who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that the sheep may have life and have it abundantly. Why did Jesus come to earth? Because He loved me so? Yes. But Jesus says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And of course, part of having life abundantly means having it after our bodies fall asleep, as the Scriptures put it, right? That's part of abundant life, but also there's abundant life to be found here on earth. When, when God created the heavens and the earth, after He created things, God said that it is good. God made a good universe. And what Satan wants you to think, and I appreciate um, the prayer this morning, is what Satan is trying to do through all the stuff he's trying to push into your eyes and into your ears, and, and through that into your brain, is to see the opposite of the truth that God made a good world. And God has been good to us while we are in this world. God didn't stop after day six. God has been involved in our lives every day since then, and He's involved right now as I'm saying these words to you, and He cares about each one of us. This is a good world, with a good God in it. And let's not forget that, please. Hand in hand with that goes the discipline. The other, the other voices out there come in to kill and steal and destroy. But if we're gods, we don't listen to those voices. As Joe was saying this, this morning, we listen to the voice of the Father, the good Father. As a person who's lived through some despair in my life, I can tell you sorrow is something Jesus was acquainted with, but despair is not something that Christians should ever have to face. Because we have hope, and we have recognition of the goodness of God. It's the evil one who wants us to despair. And I'm... I actively try not to look at the news and I really honestly don't know exactly what's going on but it seems pretty crazy right now and it's real easy to get frightened it's easy for me to get frightened <laughs> so I'm like nope and that's not because I don't want to be aware of what's going on but that's I know personally that's not what God wants me to focus on. He wants me to focus on, see, I just noticed that my son is missing. See, that's my focus. I don't know where he went. But my focus is loving this woman God has put in my life, raising these two children God has put in my life, being a good brother to all of you, most of all being a good servant of God. And whatever way I need to do that, I'm going to do that. And I'm not saying you're bad if you watch the news. It, certainly not saying that. I'm saying Stephen Gibson cannot do that. <laughs> if you haven't noticed, I'm a passionate person. I cannot watch the news. But I do know, I have lived through enough things that God has shown me 
that despair is the realm of the evil one. Christians, we have hope and knowledge that there is an all-powerful, active God who's involved in the universe. And when I have a job to do, God will show me that job to do. And right now my job is to talk about His love and His goodness, but also His discipline. All right, let's go to John chapter 16. This is talking about the things we have to go through in this world. Jesus says, you know, it's not all going to be pretty. He says, when a, young, when a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow, she has pain, she has sorge, because her hour has come. It's painful. But when she has delivered the baby, she doesn't remember the anguish. For joy that a human being has been born into the world. So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. And of course, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and um, he would see them again. And the, but right at this time, Jesus was saying, your sorrow is big. It's real big, and sometimes in our life, our sorrow is bigger than we thought sorrow could be. If you haven't been there yet, I pray that you don't have to be there, but I pray that you make it through. In that day, you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. And that's why we pray things that we ask of God, we ask them in the name of Jesus because this is what Jesus promised us. He says, until now, you've asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. What? Is Steve turning into one of those health and wealth preachers where he says, you know what? Just ask, ask in the name of Jesus and he will give it to you. No, I'm not saying that. But I'm just reading Scripture. What is Jesus saying here? He's saying, ask in my name and God will give it to you so that your joy may be complete. Well, I don't need anything in this world for my joy to be complete. No, but does that mean that God doesn't sometimes want you to have things in this world to make your joy complete? Steve saying earthly things are going to bring me joy or bring me happiness and be part of my joy. Hang on. Let's back up a little bit. Do not be in love with anything in this world. If you love your wife or your children or your parents more than you love Jesus, you're not worthy of Jesus. But that doesn't mean that God doesn't work through the material world sometimes. God has given you blessings. He's given me blessings. And a lot of the things I've asked for, God has said no. Why would God say no? Because He knows better than I do. And only in retrospect can I say, God, that, that wasn't the right thing. Some of the things we want are the very things that are going to destroy us, and God knows better. 
This is an almost an uncomfortable thing for me to preach because aren't we supposed to divorce ourselves from the physical and just be absorbed in the spiritual? We have to live in the spirit, yes. But to deny that this world exists, that's not Christianity. That's Buddhism. Or at worst, that at best, that's Platonism. Plato taught things like that. Jesus showed us that we can have joy in this world, but our ultimate joy is the love of God, and sometimes the love of God involves discipline. You guys following me? We can have joyful, happy things in this world, but sometimes it's time for us to be disciplined. And I got a couple examples of that. We'll look at, I'm getting very questioning looks from people, and I love it when that happens. I'm just going to keep reading through the Bible. Jesus, in verse 16, or chapter 16, verse 33, a little farther down, he says, I've said these things that in me you may have peace. In this world, you're going to have big trouble. That's the Steve translation of tribulation. But take heart. I have overcome the world. We've had brothers and sisters who have fallen asleep recently under some pretty dire circumstances that they didn't deserve. But I know that they have their reward now with God. So don't think as I preach this that I'm saying God is always going to give you things that make you happy. Because as a parent, that's not what we do to our children, is it? Go to Harding during registration week. When the kids first get there, you see so many parents descend on Harding. And I'm sure it's true at Lubbock Christian, which is where I went when I was 18. It wasn't that way when I was 18. But we have, and actually, I don't see that in a lot in Indiana. I see a lot more independent kids out of LaGrange, Indiana than I've seen in a long, long time. So good on you for that. But so many parents have to help their kids register. My parents. My parents gave me a tiny bit of money, threw my luggage in the back of my friend's truck, gave me a hug and said, we'll see you in December. And I went 1,300 miles away. Now the parents are there filling out the financial aid forms and helping them register for classes. I don't want my kids to be like that. And I'm not saying if you do that, you're a bad parent. But ultimately, we want our kids to suffer if that suffering brings growth, right? Y'all just staring at me. Well, if you don't agree with that, we'll continue on <laughs> with our lesson. Suffering does bring growth, and Jesus is an example of that. Here's what I'm saying. Discipline leads to peace, and peace leads to joy. So there's two parts to that. God does give us good things, but God also allows the tribulation to come as well. God gives us good things, and we should be grateful for those things and enjoy those things, and we should also not get angry when the tribulation comes. Because you will have both. Didn't Jesus say in that Scripture, you will have tribulation. But He also said a little bit earlier, I came so that you can have life to the full. Which is it, Jesus? It's both. I want you to have life to the full, but in this world, you will have tribulation. 
So rejoice at the good things in your life and do not despise the tribulation because that's God's discipline of you. Well, it's not my fault. Why am I being disciplined? Just because you're being disciplined doesn't mean you did something wrong. I know my kids think that when I make them do their homework or make them clean their room, why have you done this to me? I'm not doing anything to you. This is part of life. You haven't done anything wrong. I'm not punishing you. I want you to grow up to be the the person God meant you to be. And if I just let you do whatever you want and you never experience any kind of pain, if you never learn how to work, then you're not going to be the person you need to be. And even Jesus was made complete according to Hebrews chapter 5 through the things that He suffered. So I'm trying to have it both ways this morning. I'm trying to say, have joy to the full. Enjoy those things that make you happy, but also have joy during your tribulation. Because that is God's way of growing you as a person. Jesus was familiar with sorrows. What did Jesus do wrong that He went without food for 40 days in the wilderness? What did He do wrong? Nothing. Jesus did nothing wrong ever in His life. But He went through 40 days of tribulation in the desert. Why? Because that was what God had for Him to do. It was the beginning of His ministry. He had 40 days of tribulation to endure. And that was God's discipline, not because Jesus did anything wrong. I don't understand all of God's reasons, but I know that Jesus being in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights was something that accomplished God's purposes. And it disciplined Jesus. Oh, Steve, you're treading on fine ground. Okay, well, cool. When Jesus was on the cross, he experienced the most tribulation. Again, that was not his fault. But through the tribulation Jesus suffered, God, God's purposes were accomplished. And I think we have to look at the life of Jesus, and that is who we are all supposed to become. Someone who's familiar with sorrows, but also thankful to the Father. Was he thankful to the Father because he just wanted to say things to God that he didn't mean? Huh? Was he just, thank you, God, because that's what I'm supposed to say? You're saying Jesus is a liar? No. He was thankful for the, to the Father because the Father gives us good things. And we need to recognize those and enjoy them and be thankful for them. And when the tribulation comes, say, Father, help me pass this test. So that we can have joy and that we can have, more importantly, life, have life to the full. Life is full of things that bring us happiness and life is full of tribulation. But we have joy all the time. But make no mistake, just because you're like Christ, that doesn't mean you need to walk around and never have fun. (laughs) 
Somehow that got put into our heads. We should be having the most fun. That's my opinion. That's not in the Bible. But Steve's opinion is that as Christians, we're so blessed and we're helped through our tribulations, we should be having the most fun of everyone. Not carousing, not, not reveling, not getting drunk, not acting like fools, but acting as is appropriate under all circumstances. And sometimes it's appropriate to laugh and have fun. Amen, anybody? There's a season for everything. And I don't think it serves anybody well for us to go, well, let me be, let me be as Christian as I can be. Good morning, everyone. So lovely to see you today. I hope that you are blessed. Come on. We can't be like that. We have to show the genuine joy that God brings to our lives. Because God does bring a lot of joy to our lives. And the things that we suffer are not for nothing. And that's where we get to Psalm 118. And you may be familiar that Queen Elizabeth quoted that when she found out that her enemies had all been killed. I don't think that's the most appropriate use of this verse, but... You know, this isn't a history class. But let's, let's read it again. Understanding that this is who God is. I will not die, but I shall live. And I'll tell about the deeds of the Lord. I have died, in a sense, and been brought back to life, in a sense. And I didn't die. God was merciful to me. And so I'm going to recount the deeds of the Lord. The Lord has disciplined me severely, but He has not given me over to death. And that's an important thing. God will not leave us or forsake us. We may be disciplined severely, and discipline may be something that's just part of life, or in my case, it may be something that you bring on yourself. And discipline is no fun. But you know what? God's not going to just check mark everything we want to do so that we're never called to the carpet. And the discipline isn't because we're bad people. It's not because... Someone else is better and we're... Whatever. God disciplines us because He loves us. Have you seen the kids at school whose parents don't discipline them? If you've worked with children, you know what I'm talking about, right? They're like animals. They're not happy. And And study... I mean, literally, countless studies have shown how those children have much higher incidence of mental health issues in in their adulthood, especially uh, anxiety and depressive disorders. Why? Because no one ever taught them how to control themselves. No one ever disciplined them. So when we're disciplined by God, whether we bring it on ourselves or whether it's just one of those things, let's be thankful God opened to me the gates of righteousness because Christ makes us righteous that I may enter them, enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous shall enter through it. And because Christ makes us righteous, we can enter through that gate and we can enter through it eternally 
And that is ultimately what our hope is built upon. I thank you that you've answered me and have become my salvation. This is the same psalm in which he says, you have, I almost died from your discipline. But he's thankful because God answered him not in the way that he wanted, but in the way that he needed. And through that brought him salvation. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, as you know, that's quoted in, uh, in a number of times in the New Testament. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. And in light of all that, in light of all the discipline, all of the suffering, all the God being there in the ways that make me happy and in the ways that I disagree with, all those things put together equal my righteousness, equal my elevation in this world and in the world to come. And because I see all the good that God is doing, I recognize this, this day, today, this Sunday morning is the day that the Lord has made for you and for me. Because of that, I will rejoice and be glad in it. Thank you for the one amen. I don't know where it came from. But that's what we're called to do. We're called to rejoice and be glad in the day that God has said I'm wearing suspenders because I didn't have a horrible malfunction while I picked that up. This is a day the Lord has made. And so, because God made it for me, I'm going to enjoy it. I'm also going to do all the things God is requiring me to do with all of my ability. Right? God gives us work to do, but God also gives us so many other things. He asks so little and gives so much. And because... This is the day the Lord has made, whether I have work or play or, not, or neither of those things, I'm going to rejoice in being able to do all those things, regardless of how much fun they look on paper or how much fun they don't seem. I'm going to rejoice because God gave me another day to become more like Christ and to enjoy the discipline and the growth and also the fruits of discipline and growth. All right. I'll, I'll move on faster. I got to go faster. Okay. You know what? Skip that one. Let's go to Colossians 3. This is our part of it. Verses 12 through 17. This is what we should do since God has chosen us to be His special ones. And He has chosen us to be His special ones. Since that is true, put on holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if someone has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you so you must also forgive. And brothers and sisters, I hope that you'll forgive me if I ever do anything or have done anything that is not 
what God wants me to do. And I hope you'll have grace on me. And I pray that I will have, I pray to have grace on all of you. And I hope that we have grace on each other. That's God's command. It's easy to ask God for forgiveness. But it's difficult to give forgiveness. I find that's true in my life. Only when I ask forgiveness again from God do I realize, wow, what business do I have withholding an iota of forgiveness from anyone else? As the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all these things, put on love. Because love is what binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Happiness and joy can't come without peace. We became enemies of God, and Jesus became the atoning sacrifice so that we can have peace with God. And because we have peace with God, we have joy and hope. In order for us to have happiness and joy in this life, we must have peace with God, which means peace with God's people and peace with God's discipline and peace with the world around us. That doesn't mean that we don't do anything, no. We do everything from a place of peace, though. And sometimes Christians are called to even violent action. That's true. We have many people who served in the armed services. And sometimes they're called to, to do violent things, but they should be able to do that from a place of peace in their soul. And if they can't do it from a place of peace in their soul, they shouldn't be doing it. But that's true of everything we do. If we can't do it with peace in our soul through God, then we should not be doing it. All right. Be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. That doesn't mean being completely wise while you teach and admonish one another. What that means is teach and admonish each other everything worth learning. Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts. There's thankfulness again to God. And what are we thankful for? That we can be miserable and then one day be in heaven? No, that's not what we're thankful for. We are thankful for the hope of heaven, but we're also thankful that God is alive and active in our world. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So the third time thanks is there. So here's our job. I like little boxes, so here's some little boxes. Here's attitudes we must demonstrate. Compassion. Kindness. Let me back up because sometimes I have trouble with compassion. Compassion is difficult, and then when you know, when you finally find out what's going on with someone, all of a sudden you feel bad for being angry. That happened to you? Happens to me a lot. I get all fired up, and then somebody tells me it's like, oh, you know, like the guy's speeding in front of me in traffic. He's trying to get his wife to the hospital or something. Well, if I had known that, well, why don't you just be compassionate to begin with, and find out whether or not you should be righteously angry later. Kindness. Kindness means doing nice things. Even little kids understand that. Humility means I don't care if everyone thinks I'm a loser. I'm used to it. (laughs) 
Just kidding. Humility means I don't care if everyone thinks I'm a loser. When Jesus was on the cross, literally not everyone on the planet, but everyone but a few people thought Jesus was a loser as he claimed the ultimate victory in all of creation. So I don't care what you think about me. Well, don't take that too far. I don't care whether or not you think I'm a loser as long as I'm doing what God wants me to do. Meekness, very similar, meaning I don't need to get my way. Patience, again, very similar. Patience is like forgiveness. It's easy to, to ask for patience, but it's difficult to be patient because everyone's not as brilliant as I am. Yeah, that's what we think though, right? Things that are easy for us aren't easy for other people. And I remember I had teachers who'd be like, you know, Stephen, you're so smart. I don't know why you're acting so stupid. I'm like, I'm not acting. <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about right now. Just because I'm smart in some things doesn't mean I, I know everything in the universe. I have no idea what you're talking about right now. Recognize we're not all built the same. And so some people need patience for things that you don't need patience for and vice versa. And again, that's part of kindness. Forbearance, very similar to patience and very similar to forgiveness. You know what? You're, you're not a dream all the time either, but while you were an enemy, Christ died for you. Forgiveness, we covered that. Love, and this is a hard one. Even in families, love means it doesn't matter whether or not I get what I want. What matters is that I give to you what God wants me to give to you, regardless of whether or not I get anything back. That's love. If you don't understand that, read the Bible some more. That is love. That means giving to the undeserving because that's what God wants you to do and not getting anything in return. Peace loving. We talked about that. We have to have peace with God and peace with his world and peace especially with one another. And finally, it said multiple times in this verse, we have to have thankfulness. So here's the things that we have to do that are also listed in this verse. Let the people... See, even though gravity hates me, I'm going to have peace. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. You notice that doesn't ask us for effort? And sometimes we need to stop putting forth so much effort in the wrong direction. Being peaceful is not an effort, it's a surrender. And if you're like me, surrender is the hardest thing to do. But surrender we must. Surrender to Christ's peace and let it rule in our hearts. And we start thinking, well, what about, what about, what about, okay, that'll get you started on drinking. Keep that up. Keep that up. You're going to drive yourself crazy, be on some medication, maybe ethanol, maybe something else, but just keep it up. Keep fighting battles in your head that you can't do anything about, or let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. It's a simple choice. I recommend this one. Let the word of God dwell in us richly. That means you read your Bible, and after we read our Bible, we don't go, whoo, God, that's over. No. You meditate on God's word day and night, day and night. Let the word of God dwell in you richly. When Jesus was in the desert and had his tribulation, how did he win that battle? He won it because the word of God dwelt richly in him and he used it. Third, 
We should teach one another. Everybody in here has something that they can teach to someone else. And that's regardless of age, because the little two and three-year-olds can teach you stuff. And if you think I'm wrong, you need to pray for some more humility. Because two and three-year-olds can teach you something if you're willing to listen. But we should all be active in teaching each other everything that's worth knowing. We should sing with the thankfulness. And I know sometimes we don't feel like singing with thankfulness, but that's only because we're ungrateful. i got to be honest, I haven't felt good this week. You know, I think a lot of you know that. But does that mean I can't sing with thankfulness? If that's true, then I am incredibly ungrateful. Shame on me. And I know I've done it multiple times in my life. I'm calling us all out. You're not any worse than anyone else, but that doesn't mean that we don't need to change. We need to sing with thankfulness. Otherwise, we're, we're just that kid on Christmas morning who's like, oh, socks, thanks. Okay, it's going on too long. Do everything in Jesus' name. It's hard to throw a temper tantrum in Jesus' name. It's hard to scream at somebody in traffic in Jesus' name. So when you get in your car, drive in Jesus' name. When you walk down the street, walk down the street in Jesus' name. Does this sound like exaggeration? Read the scripture. Do everything in Jesus' name. If you can't do it in Jesus' name, maybe you shouldn't be doing it. Pretty simple. And again, that just comes back to, we like to think that God's not around when we don't want him to be around. And there's just nothing scriptural about that. All right, I'm going to leave you with this. Romans 15, verse 13. This is Paul's prayer for the Romans, and it's my prayer for us. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and all peace. How do we get that? Through believing. So that by the power of the Holy Spirit, we may all abound in hope. If you need forgiveness of God, forgiveness of the church, if you are not doing well and you just need support from us, we're here to support you. Don't walk around feeling alone in the world when you're part of the most important body ever on the planet, and that's the body of Jesus Christ. And if you're not a member of Christ's body, you can become one today if you'll be baptized, repent of your sins, and confess him as Lord. If you need any of this, please come forward while we stand and sing this song.